I just want to talk to you for a few minutes today, and it won't be long, but I want to tell you and encourage you that we need to be cautious in our spiritual walk. And I want to just tell you a little bit about a story that has compounded a beautiful scenario, but also is a caution and a flag to us that we need to be careful not to fall asleep in the church of the living God. Amen. So don't tune me out. It's like, oh, one of those wake-up sermons. Hold on just a minute. Buckle in, baby. We're going somewhere. So thank you, Brother Dean. Give Brother Dean a big hand. I'm going to preach to you a little message called Silent Night. Silent Night. I believe this is a word from the Lord. I, I have, you know, as a pastor, you, you kind of have this head trip because the Lord tells you to preach things that may not be popular. And you know someone's going to text you afterwards and say, I didn't like that, or I, that's not, you know, you need to focus on something else. But I want you to know that there is a spirit of this age, and it is at work in the nighttime, amen? And it's beginning to show itself in the daytime. And though the church is standing around singing Silent Night and endeavoring to bring the peace of God in all of these different scenarios that we've experienced in this last year, some we don't even know if we were doing the right thing, but we were doing what we're told and we're trying to do our best and we're sanitizing everything and face masking everything and doing our best to live what is given to us by different governmental agencies agencies, and then some of that changes. Even through all of that, I want you to know that the enemy is still at work in the world today, and he wants to have his way. He wants to do what he chose to do. So, yes, it's beautiful. We went through the Christmas season. Yes, we sang Christmas carols, but I don't know if you quite know where the story, the backstory comes from of Silent Night. It was 202 years ago, Silent Night was first held or heard in an Austrian village of, of individuals attending Christmas Eve service at St. Nicholas Church in Oberndorf. This happened because of a priest named Joseph Moore who had not attended to the organ at the church, which was being chewed from the inside out by church mice. It was a problem that developed over time. You can't tell me that they didn't notice that that note's not working, and suddenly that's, that note's not working. If you look at these pipe organs, and I brought a picture along, but if you look at these pipe organs, they are elaborate in their ways of setup. They have billows, and they have air chambers, and in those billows and air chambers in those old churches, they were made out of leather or made out of something that was capable of being chewed through, and church mouse... The church mice, they got a hold of this organ, and they had destroyed it from the inside out. The song was more than just a melody, but the answer to the problem of the little church that had been overrun with these church mice, very busy church mice indeed, for they had chewed up and chewed through the billows of the church organ, and it seemed that Christmas Eve service that year would have no organ and no singing and no anything. It was going to be a silent night, for it was too expensive to repair. The church mice had caused a silent night slowly and without visible evidence, eating 
the inside out of the instrument that brought music and joy to the church in the Christmas season. The church was without money near enough to pay for the repairs of the pipe organ and could not get someone to repair it in time, which was the only musical instrument their traditional religion allowed them to use. And so while there is plenty of things to highlight in the mouse against man tale of Christmas, I want you to know that the truth is more telling in the aftermath of this story. For Father Moore actually pinned Silent Night in the midst of those troubles because he did not want to have no music, but also looked over the city and saw the peace of God and the calm of a child come to save people. Amen, somebody. And because of the peace and the calm he felt over the little town as he walked back from giving that last rites to a precious lady, thinking through his mind, why would someone have to die on Christmas? He sat down and wrote in the the only way he knew to write, which was with his guitar. And he rushed to his friend's house, a composer, and he showed him what he had written. And Franz Xavier Gruber wrote the choral pieces and the melody to the rest of the song and composed it. And they sang it that Christmas Eve to a guitar and their voices. Of course, we understand that in these times, they were addressing what was missing. They were trying their best to pull together something beautiful. And over the the years of it being spread, the organ got repaired. And even in the tradition that they had, Father Joseph was transferred 12 times for bringing a guitar in to church. Amen. How many know some traditions need to be broken? How many glad we got some guitar up in the house of God? It's all right to worship the Lord with all kinds of instruments, amen? But in their traditional faith, they did not allow it. So even though they had a beautiful Christmas Eve and they sang the carol Silent Night together for the first time ever, it died there because of the traditional hold of the religion. And so at that point on Christmas Eve in 1818, that carol found its way into the hands of the organ repairman who came to repair what was broken down and chewed through by the mice. And so this one man took that and went back, and he also owned a printing shop, and he began to print the Christmas carol over and over and give it out to people and say, you, this song is amazing. You should sing it. It's a wonderful carol. And as he began to give it out, it got into the hands of several singing families and eventually made its way to, by the Rayner family, as I believe how you say that, to New York, where they sang it as a carol outside of one of the major cathedrals in New York. And over time, it became what you and I know of today as the Christmas carol, Silent Night. But it was not a good night that created it. He sat down in distress. He sat down in struggle. He sat down in moments of, what do I do now? And he penned Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep 
in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glorious stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. You know it, don't you? Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Are you thankful for redeeming grace? Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, he was Lord of all when he was born. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. You know the song. You've sung it probably yourself. The song, however beautiful, it comes from the destructive force of something that was working behind the scenes. And I wonder today if there can't be a new praise and a new worship and a new song at the house of God because we, though recognizing that the enemy is hard at work, brothers and sisters, recognizing that the lullaby of lethargy can be, can be, putting the church to sleep during pandemic and we can see so many people that think that clicking on a service is actually going to service and that and that watching someone preach is actually responding to the priest's word and it really is not that it is literally the the workings of the world that we're in but even though we celebrate the gospel going out even though I sat there and wept on March 15th and said God is is this really the church that you still want in the earth? I know that the gospel is changing the world through those camera lenses, and the gospel is going out to people that would never make it here. And while we celebrate that, and I do celebrate it, I don't want the church to fall into pandemic paralyzation and fall asleep in the moment where we're supposed to be most active, where we're supposed to be most aware of his coming, that Jesus was Lord at his birth, died and buried and rose again, and, and us walking with him and living with him. All of our lives should not come to a moment where we are lullabied by the sleep and the song and the and the and the moment of this world saying it's just another virus, it's just another moment. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable in any way, because I come to this pulpit to tell you, yes, the peace of God is yours. Yes, it takes us and cares for us and watches over us and protects us. But in prayer, I cannot escape the fact that the enemy is hard at work while the church is asleep. That there's a silent night, that peace has fallen on all of us, and thank God for it. But during that silent night, the enemy has come and sowed some tears. And as a pastor, I look out and I watch, and I'm commanded by the Lord not to pull out the tares, but let them grow with the wheat. And I'm not coming with a gotcha today. I'm not going to read your mail or tell you what you need to do to get to this altar and take that behavior out of your life or do this. But I'm going to tell you today that you can. You can do it. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, let the wheat grow with the tares. 
tares and I will take care of it one day. I will gather up the tares for fire. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to know what that means. But whenever you, you look at the church, there are moments where someone says, why don't you deal with that? Why don't you take care of that? And I'm saying I can't because Jesus tells me, let the wheat grow with the tares. If I tear out a bunch of tares, I will also tear out beautiful wheat with it. And I have to be careful as a pastor in these last days to remind us that we as individuals are responsible for the condition of the soul of our life and this seed being sown as the word of God today. It's on you how you receive it. I can only give it with prayer. I can only give it with passion. But it's up to you how you plant it and how you water it in your life. And so you must wake up and be vigilant about the words that are given to you, the things you take into your eye gate, your ear gate, and the things that you receive into your life, the people you surround yourself with. It does matter. It does make a difference. Paul exhorts the church in Thessalonica. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as so as so others, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Amen, someone. Jesus said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation in Luke 22 and 48. And he said unto them, why sleep ye? Do you not understand the moment in which we live in. It's so hard sometimes as a pastor to see the uh, the impact of what's going on in our world and the lack of awareness that Jesus is coming. And a day when we are so close to the rapture of the church, there seems to be a lullaby playing from the enemy. Go to sleep, church. Go to sleep. And we've got to wake up, Jesus says. And he says, why sleep ye? Why are you asleep? Rise and pray. I want you to know, brothers and sisters that are professionals here, your prayer life is your rising. What you do do in your personal prayer life is what gives you the perception and the ability to see the opportunities so that you can rise in life. You can go higher. Yes, you can. Even in the worst of times, you can have benefit and blessing and power and strength in your life, but it's all hinged upon you. Rise and pray. Amen, somebody. Get up and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. This is literally Jesus saying, temptation you will enter into if you don't pray. He's literally saying that. And the problem with the church is that we can sometimes look the other way and say, well, it's just their struggle. You need to pray for anybody. When you see them going through something, you may not be able to address it. It may be their field and their tears, and they need to deal with it themselves. But you sure can pray. It's not a violation of their privacy for you to go to the house of God and get on your knees and say, God, help them with this. God, deal with this in their life. God, work with them. God, give them grace. Give them peace. Give them help. That is not a violation of their privacy. That is you praying to wake up a church, amen, and asking God by rising and praying that you help them, Lord, not to enter into temptation. Ephesians 5 and 14, wherefore he saith, awake, 
thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I hope I can stir you today. I hope you're already feeling the Holy Ghost in this room. I hope you're already feeling the passion of this pastor, that I have to somehow get to this pulpit today, and I have to tell you to awaken yourself, to arise from dead things, and to awake thou from anything that you slumber in. Don't put the weighted blanket on you. Don't put the heater on on the heating blanket of your spiritual life. It shall be that you will find if you wake yourself up. The Holy Ghost has come today to this church and anybody listening online to suddenly shake you. Oh, he's a kind and passionate God. He doesn't come in with pots and pans to wake you up and startle you. Maybe he needs to for some of us. Maybe for me, that's the case. But it's so lovely that God will come in and he'll shake you and he'll say, wake up, wake up. Like waking a child going to school in the morning. Wake up, you're going to miss the bus. Wake up, you're going to miss what's important. I've come to just suddenly shake the church today and say, wake up, you're going to miss what's important. Wake up, you're going to miss what God has for you. Wake up. If there's any place that you sleep, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Revelation will come. Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time. Everyone say knowing the time. We know what time we're living in. That now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Brothers and sisters, you don't need to have a, a, a degree in eschatology to know that Jesus is coming back when Saturn, and, when Saturn and Jupiter are aligning themselves on December 21st. That event would have scared our forefathers and our former preachers half to death. They would have kicked off prayer meetings. They would have kicked off fasts. They would have done all kinds, anything that you're seeing, blood moons, all that stuff. They would have gone to prayer, and they would have said, God's coming, God's coming. But the church just watches it through a telescope today. I'm wondering, are we literally too drowsy that we're not seeing the divine hand of God saying, my church, wake up, I am coming. The danger is not coming out of a virus. The danger is a church that has fallen asleep during a virus. And I ask you today to wake up to what is not a new normal, not a, not a new defined normal by a government agency. I'm not building a moment of rebellion from a pulpit. I'm asking you to apply it to your spiritual life. Have you fallen asleep in any way? Don't embrace a new normal that has no power and no anointing. Get back to an altar of prayer. Get back to the fire of the Holy Ghost. Get back to dedication in your life. Remove the things that need to be removed and take hold of the ancient landmarks for they work. They work. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You start with repentance. Matthew 13, 24, and 25, maybe the closest thing to a text in this sermon. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while he slept, everyone say, while he slept. 
His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You don't sow bad seed in your good field, brothers and sisters. So when the servants came running and said, what kind of seed did you sow? Did you not set aside your earnings from the crops last year so you could buy good seed for this year? He's like, that wasn't me. While I slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares. You see, the parable is so interesting because tares and wheat look exactly the same in their initial growing process. You can't tell the difference from a tare or a wheat until the crop matures. And once the crop matures, then you understand what is not food and what is good for food. For tares are bitter and poisonous, and wheat is good to feed whoever needs it. So we ask the question today, have someone come in and sowed tares in your field? You will recognize it. You will sense it. You will feel a lethargy in your spirit. You'll, you won't feel a desire to gather together with the saints of the church whenever the doors open. And that's the last thing we should be doing. When the church doors open and when we have service again, you should do everything you can to get your family to the house of God as often as you can to push back against the drowsiness of a, a divisive devil to push back against the sleepiness that's in your heart. You cannot get what we're doing today and what you felt today in the presence of God. You cannot get all of that through a screen. And I thank God for it. Again, I'm not preaching against devices, but you need to be at the house of God to be in his presence and to change you. It is important. And you need to feel the passion of your preacher, the man of God, when he says, you've got to repent. We got to start with this understanding that if we're going into a new year of unified effort and unity and drawing together and gathering in a last harvest, there's going to be some tares in there. There's going to be some wheat in there. And we're going to have to thank God for all the harvest as it comes. He'll take care of the separation at the end, but we're going to focus on unity and gathering in. And the only way that we can gather in properly is if each one of us stop convincing ourselves that we're 100% okay with God all the time. We need to get to a place of repentance in the great awakenings of the church. It was always a call to repentance that came first. Get on your knees, fall before the Lord. If my people will humble themselves, and you know the scriptures, you know what God calls us to do. Egypt, coming out of Egypt, the Israelites had to pause and sanctify before crossing over. We know that in the great awakening in early New York City, that when boats came into the harbor, they fell on their knees on the boat deck because they felt the power of God, of a fire that burned broken out in New York of repentance, of repentance. John came preaching repentance before Jesus came back and I come 
drawn by God to preach to you. Don't tune me out. Please don't check your Facebook. But hear me. You've got to get to a point where you say, God, whatever it is, I don't even know if I have anything in me that's either commission or omission. It doesn't matter. But God, if there's something in me, I bow my knee to you every day. I bow my knee to your name every day. And when we have his name, you sung about it. When we bow to his name, it awakens something inside of us that says deal with this take care of that this doesn't need to be there anymore move that out of the way for God has brought you an awakening and I preach today to help somebody that this is not just another silent night this is not just a moment to sleep through it but this is a night to stand and sing what God has done for us and to repent from the inside out pastor all the way down to every individual. Repentance has to grip us for the next two weeks in this church. We have to ask God whatever it is that doesn't need to go into 2021. Take it out of my life. Remove it, I pray. Would you stand with me today? Because I'm done, but I'm asking you to join me in understanding that when John preached the coming of Jesus, he started with repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We cannot just sing a carol and sleep through the night. We have to know that there's no more silent nights in the church. We have to be a loud minority. We have to be a people that are willing to stand up and say, we're a repentant church. We're a powerful church. We're an on fire for God church. And we're going to unify until he comes. That's what I have to say. None of this is political. None of this is a desire for me to show anything that I'm standing against. I'm trying to tell you everything I'm standing for. And when you repent, God starts to work on your heart. When you give yourself over entirely to the Lord, he begins to change everything. So they repaired the organ, and they sang Silent Night again. But while the carol made its way through all of time and through Germany and Europe and we sing it even some today. I wonder if there's not a moment where we can stand up and by authority and by the power of spiritual warfare say, Lord, I know the enemy's working in the dark places, but I'm going to go to spiritual warfare in my prayer until I silence the night that's at work. I'm going to go to spiritual warfare in my life until I silence the voice of the enemy in my home. I'm going to go to work in prayer until I silence the effects of my, the effects on my family. That when I lay down at night, I know there's angels protecting my children. There's angels protecting my home. And so my silent night doesn't mean a Christmas carol. My silent means the blood of Jesus is applied to everything that I love and is protected. And tonight, I can lay down in a silent night knowing, devil, you can talk, but it won't have an effect 
on my life and my family. I will have a silent night held up and held down by the Lord. My silent night means something completely different than a Christmas carol. It means God's got me. God's got my kids. God's got my relationships. God's got my family. God's got my church. God's got revival for us. And it begins at a bent knee in repentance and saying, Lord, all of me is all of yours. Somebody find a place to pray today. As we begin to silence the night, we begin to silence the voice of the enemy that's trying to take our loved ones out of the church. As we begin to repent and say, you, you cannot have my heart. You cannot have me in temptation. I will pray. I will silence the night and bring the light in Jesus. Precious. Feel 